Welcome to the American Shoulder and Elbow Surgeons podcast. I'm your host, Rachel Frank, a sports and shoulder surgeon at the University of Colorado in Denver. And I am joined by my co-host, Pete Chalmers, a shoulder and elbow surgeon at the University of Utah in Salt Lake City. Pete, how are you tonight? Oh, I'm doing great. I'm happy to be here with you, Rachel. Before we get started, I should mention that the views expressed in this podcast do not necessarily reflect the views of the ASCS, the University of Utah, the University of Colorado, or the institutions of any of our guests. Today, we have a very special episode. Today, we are honoring the legacy of Dr. Charles Rockwood, who recently passed away in February 2022 at the age of 92. Dr. Rockwood was known for so many things in orthopedics. Among them, he helped with the foundation of the American Shoulder and Elbow Society. He's the author of several key and landmark textbooks, including his famous text, The Shoulder, edited with Dr. Madsen, and Fractures and Adults, edited with Dr. Green. He was also instrumental in helping develop one of the initial total shoulder arthroplasty systems, the Depew Global Total Shoulder System, helping change the lives of patients around the USA and around the world. In addition, he was one of the founding faculty members of UT San Antonio Medical School and was the first division chief of orthopedics as well as the first orthopedic department chair. Dr. Rockwood was instrumental in training literally hundreds, if not thousands, of students, residents, and fellows. For this podcast, we've invited several shoulder surgeon superstars who are shoulder surgery legends themselves, each with a special relationship with Dr. Rockwood, including Drs. Cofield, Williams, Bigliani, Burkhead, and Matson. Because of the unique nature of this podcast and the length of the podcast, we've divided this into two separate podcasts. For part one, we will be interviewing Drs. Cofield and Williams. And in part two, we will be interviewing Drs. Bigliani, Burkhead, and Matson. We encourage all of our ASCS listeners to download both episodes of this podcast as they each offer a unique reflection on Dr. Rockwood and his legacy. And today we're going to have a very special episode with both Dr. Bob Cofield from the Mayo Clinic and Dr. Jerry Williams from the Rothman Institute. Dr. Cofield, welcome to the podcast. Hello, glad to be here and speak to our Dr. Rockwood. Thank you so much. And Dr. Williams, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Rachel. It's my pleasure. Well, we're so honored to have you with us. And obviously, both of you have had and continue to have incredible careers influencing the field of orthopedics, shoulder surgery, and your trainees for generations to come, a lot of which was done by Dr. Rockwood throughout his career. So I'd like to ask each of you, and we'll start with Dr. Cofield, how did you first come to know Dr. Rockwood? Well, it's kind of interesting. Uh, in the late 1970s, and uh, 1980, I was becoming active in writing and talking about shoulder work. And he asked me to be a part of one of his instructional courses. He assigned me uh, 20 minutes to talk about rotator cuff disease. I think I probably exceeded that limit by about two hours, but that's jokingly. But Right from then, we hit it off well. And then it came time to consider developing the American Shoulder and Elbow Surgeons. And he was really, I think, the second most important person in shoulder surgery nationally at that point in time. He was also treasurer of the AAOS at that time. And he could carry the idea of forming the American Shoulder and Elbow Society to the academy, expressing the thought that we didn't want to separate 
from the academy, but be a supportive part of it. He brought that to the president, who was his friend. We received blessings from the AAOS and an invitation to develop conjoined educational programs, which have continued for years. It was that early interface that he and I had uh, developing the society that fostered our ongoing uh, uh, friendship. What an incredible start. Dr. Williams, how about you? How did you first come to know Dr. Rockwood? Well, almost completely by accident. Um, you know, I, I, I'm much younger um, than Dr. Rockwood, um, and Dr. Cofield was also one of my mentors, and I consider him to be a friend. I'm fortunate to consider him a friend. But I wasn't around at the time that the ASES was started. My first years with Dr. Rockwood started when I did an away rotation as a visiting medical student from Temple University uh, in 1983 um, in San Antonio. And I enjoyed my time there so much. I was fortunate enough to match as a resident. Um, and honestly, for the first probably five years of my relationship with Dr. Rockwood, um, I was sort of scared to death of him, quite frankly. He, he was um, larger than life. Um, he ran our department. Uh, there's no question who was boss and what the rules were. Um, and so at the end of my third year, beginning of my fourth year, um, he asked me to be his shoulder fellow um, when I got done with my residency. And it was during that fellowship year uh, where I got to spend a lot more time with him. That was the first year he'd been chair of uh, the, the Department of Orthopedic Surgery there for 22 years. And the year that I was a fellow, which was 1989 to 90, was the first year that he wasn't chair. So I got to spend the entire year with him pretty much full time. And that's when my relationship with him became totally different. Um, you know, I still respected him a great deal. Um, and I still felt, um, obviously, a trainee relationship with him. But he became more of a father figure to me. Uh, in that year and throughout my career, he's always been very supportive and he and I remained extremely close over the years. It's amazing for me, you know, from my perspective to hear the start of your, each of your relationships with, uh, with Dr. Rockwood, just knowing that I knew him when I first learned about orthopedics, just from his textbooks and then getting more into shoulder surgery, learning about what he's contributed to the field. Uh, but you, you guys spent time with him, which is just unbelievable. And it's incredible. And I'm sure you have some great stories and We'll get into that a little bit um, in just a few minutes. I'd like to ask each of you, you know, Dr. Rockwood had so much of what all of us, I think, in academics aspire to, where you're not only the triple threat, but you're the quadruple threat because you're a clinician, a surgeon, an educator, a researcher, a leader. How would you describe him in those regards? What was his favorite thing to do? Was it to teach? Was it to innovate? Was it to lead? combination of all these, how, you know, what, for our, our, our listeners who didn't have, maybe not have had the opportunity to ever meet him or work with him, how would you describe him in those regards? Dr. Cofield, let's start with you on that one. Well, to be clear, like uh, Jerry just mentioned, he was an incredible human force. He was always very active. He seemed to have an unlimited amount of energy and inner strength. But at the same time, he remained a very pleasant and congenial and sociable. We recognized him, of course, for his clinical work, but most strikingly for 
early on his organizational abilities strikingly as they related not only to the orthopedic department in San Antonio, but to the EMS activities that got developed uh, locally and nationally. Uh, he was really the strength behind the EME, EMS movement nationally, and you recognized him for that, and then weren't surprised when he continued the strong educational component to his professional life, not only educating himself very actively, but all the rest of us through the courses initially, the textbooks over time. He was uh, really something, and he was uh, one of the first uh, orthopedic populists, if you will, and really strong in that regard. He was always educating and leading surgeons over time to try to be able to do the simplest operation that would be very effective. And there are a number of areas in which he promulgated that and promulgated it very strongly. I, I praise him for that direction in his, in his thoughts and thinking and education, which isn't always true uh, for others, including uh, me. And Dr. Williams, how about you? What's what's your perspective in terms of Dr. Rockwood as a clinician, a surgeon, an educator, innovator, leader, kind of all the things? Uh, how how would you say you've perceived him, or others might perceive him who haven't had a chance to to meet him? Well, I think if you were to have asked him um, what was what what part of his professional career satisfied him the most. I don't think there's any question it was being a clinician and surgeon. That, that's what he saw himself as being first. And quite frankly, um, he instilled in all of us as residents um, how important it was to be a good doc. Um, certainly, he was um, committed to education. Uh, and I would say clinical research. He was never known as a basic science researcher. And in fact, I even think clinical research is not his strongest suit. Uh, I think his strongest suit was taking care of patients. He was a superb clinician. And I think if I were going to say the second thing, if you know, when I when I look at him and I say to myself, um, you know, now that I've been doing this for 31 years, what things that I learned most from him um, that has helped me in my career, and certainly being a clinician was one of them, but I think if I were to pick a close second, um, he had a very unique ability, but maybe not unique, that's maybe too strong a word, but a superb ability as a leader uh, to get the very best out of the people that were working with him. Um, and there are many examples, David Green is one, uh, and I'm another one. Uh, you know, whenever he, he would get you involved in a project, um, there's no question that by the end of the project, you will have accomplished and done more than you ever thought was possible. Um, mostly because of the way that he was capable of leading you through it, um, whether that was an educational process, whether it was a particular operation uh, that you called him about to get some advice on or whatever. So I, I think for me, the most important aspect of him was being a clinician and surgeon. And for me, the second most important concept in my own personal career was the effect that his leadership had on me. You know, one thing that we've heard about kind of how some of the meetings went in the past, especially among the giants of shoulder surgery or the giants of anything in orthopedics, is that 
the the Giants would get up on the podium at a meeting and or even in a small conference, you know, and debate each other vigorously. Um, and maybe not necessarily as politely as in 2022, we probably feel forced to do sometimes. For example, uh, uh, back in those days, probably some hot topic debates on rotator cuff repair versus debridement uh, when, when repair was first becoming popular. Now, I've, you know, obviously I'm, I'm a little bit younger, so I, I was not around to witness some of these debates, but I've heard they were quite uh, direct and quite entertaining. Were either of you ever part of those debates with Dr. Rockwood or witnessed those or maybe uncomfortable potentially as a resident watching one of those? Um, just curious. Uh, Dr. Williams, let's start with you on that one. So I'll, by virtue of giving you a funny story, I mean, I, the ones that I saw, there might have been some, um, it might have been a little bit, um, I wouldn't say intense, but there might have been a little bit of argument going on. But quite frankly, most of the time, it was very respectful, I mean, 90% of the time. But the one that's, that fits into my mind that I still remember to this day, it was Jim Taboni's closed meeting at Dana Point. Bob might remember this. So one of the things that Dr. Rockwood was known for was calling the arthroscope the instrument of the devil. And by the way, if he had been at the beginning of his career rather than at the end when arthroscopy started, he'd have been leading the charge. Um, but when I came to Philadelphia, I saw and did my first shoulder arthroscopy at the same time. And shortly after I had been there, a good friend of mine, Scott Cozen, who works at uh, the Shriners Hospital for Children, asked me if I would come over to the Shriners Hospital and help him do arthroscopic capsular releases on babies that had brachial plexus palsies. And I said, Scott, you realize where I trained, right? He said, yeah, we can figure it out. So I presented the first 60 of those that we did at that closed meeting. And I, I was as nervous as I could be. And as soon as I got finished, Dr. Rockwood went to the microphone as if he had been shot out of a cannon. Um, and he looked at it, he grabbed the microphone, looked at everybody in the audience and said, I just want you all to know that he'd learned any of that in San Antonio. And of course, everybody busted up laughing. And when people stopped laughing, I said, Dr. Rockwood, they already knew that. <laughs> I would have loved to have been a, uh, a silent, you know, a participant or observer of this meeting. Um, Dr. Cofield, how about you? Did you ever um, have one of these debates or participate in one of these debates with Dr. Rockwood or otherwise witness one of these? A absolutely. <clears throat> I, I was a witness to the one Jerry just mentioned, the speaker in favor of arthroscopic rotator cuff surgery, and talking very eloquently, of course, was Steve Burkhardt, who was a student of mine. And uh, Steve was very, very effective in his presentation. And Dr. Rockwood got up and mentioned how this was a bunch of baloney and how it wouldn't go very far. And people uh, respectfully thanked uh, him for his opinion, but we're kind of leaning toward uh, arthroscopy is the way to go. He and I had a lot of discussion meetings and otherwise about the use of uh, hemi-arthroplasty or total shoulder arthroplasty. And I came to, to the admission, Dr. Rockwood, that that seemed to work out well about four out of five times, but the one out of five it didn't, you couldn't predict, and the total was the way to go. But we were always very respective, respectful of each other, different points of view, different backgrounds, different patient populations. A lot of variables go into this. and. I must say that I think shoulder surgeons and orthopedic surgeons in general are some of the most respectful and uh, decent people around. And 
always in that setting that that held forth. Uh, there wasn't anger or animosity that was too active in all these discussions. What do you both think is Dr. Rockwood's biggest contribution to first and foremost orthopedics, and then more specifically to shoulder surgery? Dr. Williams, let's start with you on that. Well, I mean, I think it's hard to argue that anything had a greater impact than fractures in adults. I mean, it's 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 in its eleventh edition. Uh, I don't know how many countries it's been published in. There's probably not an orthopedic surgeon in the world that hasn't heard the term Rockwood and Green fractures in adults. Um, you know, for me, having been with them on and off for a long time, there are some other things, maybe president of the academy, things like that. But if if you look at the actual impact on orthopedic care around the world, I can't imagine that anything has had more of an impact than fractures in adults. Um, if you look in terms of shoulder surgery, for me, it would probably be a toss-up. Um, the first would be um, partnering with Dr. Cofield and others to actually form the American Shoulder and Elbow Surgeons. Uh, I think it would be safe to say that American Shoulder and Elbow Surgeons, if not the most influential shoulder and elbow society in the world, certainly in the top one or two. Um, and it wouldn't have happened without Dr. Cofield or without Dr. Rockwood. Uh, you could think of a lot of other things in, that his contributions in shoulder surgery. That textbook is on in its sixth edition. He was very successful with the first arthroplasty, and Dr. Cofield was successful with his. But I think the uh, initiation of the American Shoulder and Elbow Surgeons, if you look at it in terms of importance to the field, is probably the greatest. Unbelievable accomplishments. I mean, and I'm sure you could go on and on and on. And it's just, it's, it's amazing to just listen to this and hear what he's done. Um, Dr. Cofield, what about you from your perspective? What do you think are Dr. Rockwood's biggest contributions to orthopedics as a field and to specifically to the field of shoulder surgery? Well, I think it was his staying true to the AAOS philosophies and principles and staying strong in that organization and developing the EMS services. That has made so much of an impact uh, to the society today. In orthopedics more specifically, I agree with Jerry that the fracture work was uh, uh, seminal in terms of widespread distribution and the educational opportunities that were offered. In shoulder surgery, I agree also that with his organizational abilities and his ability to help make ASES uh, flow through the early years and through adolescence and into adulthood in a very smooth way. Uh, he wasn't always in tune with some of the other people who were uh, leading the society, but they were always respectful of each other, always discussing issues always working out things for the best. And he was he was a leader who uh, fostered that in. Let me ask you both, given his role in helping to establish the ASES, you know, as a society, which we're all we're all biased, but we we think it's a phenomenal society, his legacy will certainly go on for generations and generations and generations to come. What direction do you think he would envision the ASES has going into the future and to 10, 20 years from now, what role does the ASES have for its members and for orthopedics in general and for, for patient care? 
where, where do you think he would like to see the society go? Uh, Dr. Cofield, let's start with you on that one. I think, uh, like the beginning, he'd like to see the society stay closely aligned with the general orthopedic organizations, make sure one doesn't deviate too far away from that. He'd also like the society to not get too complicated in their thought processes and in their execution of patient evaluation and patient care. Be direct, keep it simple, and keep it effective. And I think uh, there are a lot of people in the society who would agree with that. And he's uh, standing not um, behind us physically, but uh, emotionally as we try to progress forward. Dr. Williams, what are your thoughts on that? Where do you think that Dr. Rockwood would like to see ASCS go 10, 20, 30 years into the future? Well, you know, as Dr. Cofield just said, uh, and it's actually pretty prescient, uh, he, Dr. Rockwood was in favor of specialization, subspecialization, but he was worried about the effect it might have on the uh, parent organization, the American Academy of Orthopedic Surgeons. In fact, um, his presidential address in 1984 was entitled Keeping the Family Together. And it was about the fact that subspecialization was here to stay. It was probably good for patient care, but as our specialty societies got bigger and more prominent, they should never forget um, to be part of the general organization. And so I think Bob is right in that. Um, the second thing that I would say was he was pretty much a firm believer in being as inclusive as possible uh, with the ASES. And I think he would have supported the fact that the ASES has gotten larger and would probably continue to want it to get larger from the standpoint of its educational mission. But at the same time, I agree with Bob. He, he was very simple. He didn't want it to get complicated. And he was a firm believer that it needed to stay fixed to the uh, parent organization, which was pretty prescient at the time, if you think about it. That was 1984. And let me ask each of you, um, as we get a little bit toward the end of this podcast, do you have a favorite Dr. Rockwood story or memory or something when I, you know, I, that just jumps to mind when, even when I just say this question or ask this question, um, is there something that you know, our listeners would benefit from hearing or something that you just remember that makes you happy, makes you smile and, and maybe gave you some sense of, you know, um, hope and, and whatnot when you heard of his passing. Um, you know, Dr. Williams, let's start with you on that. Any favorite stories to share? Well, um, for me, I, I mean, I'll give you sort of a general story. You know, one of the greatest things about my fellowship, I did learn a lot um, about shoulder surgery in my fellowship, but I would say at least once a month, maybe even twice a month. At the end of a long day, he would give me sort of a high sign. And my job was to take the coffee urn, fill it with ice cubes and come to his office. Um, and we would sip tequila for an hour or two and talk about everything. Most of it having nothing to do with shoulder surgery and everything to do with life. And uh, it was during those times that I realized how important uh, family was to him. And when I sat with him and he asked me questions like, you know, where'd you meet your wife? Where were you born? Tell me about your family. Tell me about your wife's family. Why'd you come here? All of those things uh, were very important to him. And it sort of, that was a side of him that I hadn't seen before that year. Um, and it's certainly the side of him um, much more important than the side that taught me shoulder surgery that I'll remember. That must have been nice sipping on tequila. I hope it was good tequila. Um, and especially at the end of a long day. Peridura Selection Suprema. 
All right. Perfect. Um, and Dr. Cofield, how about you? Any favorite stories or memories that you'd like to share with, uh, with, with those who are listening to this podcast? Yes, I remember one time in particular, we were able to lure him to Minnesota to be a visiting professor. He came up in late November, typical Minnesota day, light snow, 30 degrees, 10 mile an hour wind. We had some free time and I said, uh, let's go play some golf. He liked golf and I did too. And so we go out to the golf course. The ground is frozen. The sand traps have a thin layer of snow. We play nine holes of golf. We come enjoy ourselves so much and find that we have to go find some brandy and get in a sauna and sit there and relax and enjoy each other and talk about things as Jerry said and have a great day before we go in to experience the educational programs offered by a visiting professor. Great time. That's uh, That's gotta be some cold hands there on the golf course, but sounds like an amazing time for sure. Let me ask you both, as we get toward the end of the podcast, are there any final thoughts you'd like to share regarding Dr. Rockwood for our listeners? Anything else you'd like to to mention or say? I mean, I, I think the stories that you both have brought up and what you've described in terms of his contributions to the field and to shoulder surgery and to each of you as individuals is, um, is truly very special. Um, so anything we haven't covered or anything else you'd like to mention, Dr. Williams, we can start with you on that. Just like to thank the uh, American Shoulder and Elbow Surgeons for doing this podcast. Um, you know, it, it is nice to know that the person you trained with and saw so much of uh, will continue to have a presence um, in the society that he helped start. Um, and I'm just grateful that um, you guys have thought uh, that this would be a good podcast, and I look forward to listening to it. Well, thank you. And, and Dr. Cofield, any final thoughts from you on Dr. Rockwood? Yes, it's uh, it's interesting that he tended to, su- to support people quite strongly, um, even though there wasn't a close relationship uh, like Jerry had with him. Uh, he, he supported me continually over time, um, trying to stay in touch, uh, trying to make sure organizational things were working out well. And and he he'd call every now and again. Uh, he'd stay in touch. Uh, I don't have that good a habit of doing that, but he had it. And he he called just months uh, before he died just to chat a bit. Isn't that wonderful? Uh, continually supportive, continually uh, happy to be a friend, and just all positive. Well, I have to tell you both, for, for me, it's truly an honor to get to speak to each of you, just given you know who you are and what you've done with your careers so far and how, how amazing you've been to the field of shoulder surgery, orthopedics, and, and what you've done for your trainees. So um, it's a true honor for me, and, and um, I'm excited to see where this podcast goes in terms of honoring the legacy of Dr. Rockwood. I want to thank both of you for spending some time with us, and that's really all the time we have for this podcast today. We want to thank our guests again so much for spending the time honoring Dr. Rockwood. 
And for all of our shoulder and elbow listeners out there, please don't forget to subscribe and we'll see you next time. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Rachel. Well, that's about all the time we have for this podcast. Again, we want to thank our speakers so much for spending the time honoring Dr. Rockwood and educating both Pete and myself, as well as all of the ASCS listeners and members about the honor and life and legacy of Dr. Rockwood. For all of our shoulder and elbow listeners out there, please don't forget to subscribe. And for Pete Chalmers, I'm Rachel Frank, and we'll see you next time.